and welcome to Shops with Catherine, conversations with creatives, where I chat with creators of all different mediums to get into what really keeps those creative gears turning. Today, I'm excited to welcome director Jake Villadolid. Jake is an award-winning director based in Los Angeles who's worked on numerous short films, commercials, and music videos. Most recently, his work on the music video The Dark with artist The Songery won Best Performance Music Video at the Independent Music Awards. He's also worked as a production assistant on various shows, including Euphoria, Insecure, and Diary of a Female President. I met Jake when I had the pleasure of being the director of photography for LGBT short film Ta, which he co-directed and has since been having a successful festival run. Welcome, Jake. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Wow, that was uh, was quite the intro. (laughs) Well, you're um, pretty interesting, so <laughs> excited to get uh, yeah. into it. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to be on here. It's good to talk, and uh, I'm excited to, to get into it. So working in film production and plenty of other creative fields can be such a wild ride. It's definitely not your typical nine to five, and it takes a certain kind of person with a lot of drive and ambition to get into it. And I love asking people this because the answers are always so different. What was it that inspired you to want to become a filmmaker? And can you tell us a bit about your journey so far? Oh yeah, that's a great question. Well, yeah, no, you got to be insane to do this. Um, <laughs> absolutely, just bonkers. The hours that we work, and and just you know the simple fact that we like throw our everything to make quote unquote art. Um, you know, I, but it's you got to love it. Otherwise, uh, you know, you can't. You're not going to last. But you know, it, because of that, you get to meet like some really awesome people who are like super super dedicated to the craft and and to making cool stuff and then telling the stories that they want to tell. And so you, you kind of love that side of it, but I, so let's see, to become a filmmaker, I was 10 years old and my grandmother gave me a video camera for Christmas. Uh, and I kind of just never looked back always, you know, with my cousins making random small films and just doing whatever I could to get my hands on you know, more projects I was that kid who always turned the movie in, in class, you know, like, like the teacher's like, Oh, you can do a short film. And like, they didn't actually ever want you to do it. I always did the <laughs> short film and, and they were, you know, really horrendous, but, uh, I love doing it and I learned a lot and, you know, basically just continued my journey and it took me to college and then out here to LA and led me to where I am now. I was kind of that kid, too, who did the movies. I remember uh, in some English class assignment, I think I made a trailer for Catcher in the Rye, and then I did a horrible video project for Macbeth, too. And I think I made my brother play Holden Caulfield and Macbeth, and he since refused to act in anything for me. But I was... That's great. Yeah, no. I totally feel that. Yeah. It's, it's always so interesting. Cause it's like, Oh, you can make a movie. And like my eyes would light up and the teacher would be like, Oh crap. I shouldn't have said that. But it, it was such a blast. I, yeah, I, um, I think the very first thing I did was like, I was like fifth grade and it was like a fifth graders version of stop motion animation for a, for a Rosa Parks on the bus. And it, it, it's the most discombobulated thing I've, I, I have, haven't seen in years but um that was my that was my first foray into uh uh narrative storytelling wow stop motion's pretty ambitious for a fifth grader (laughs) it it was uh and and it definitely showed but we all had a great time and uh and and uh i didn't give up 
That sounds awesome. Where were you in my classes when I was looking for group members to help me make these films? Everybody else wanted to do the boring papers or dioramas. That's like, that sounds so, so lame. I don't know. It was always like, let's just go out and make something. And it was such a drag to get. And then, and then, I don't know, that just like sense of bliss when you get out to a place like Los Angeles, which is just chock full of creatives. And you're like, let's go make something. And you get like 200 people going, yeah. And, and I, I just really love that. And so, uh, I apologize. I wasn't there back then, but, uh, (laughs) I'm glad that we found each other now. Hell yeah. So what kinds of things have inspired the kinds of stories that you like to tell? Would you say that there's a particular genre or style that, that you tend to work on? What I love to tell people is I, I love to make people laugh and I live for fight scenes. But the common thread throughout all of my stories is that they're all about people coming to terms with who they are and accepting that. Uh, which is what we worked on together. That is that is a major core theme and uh, something that, uh, you know, a, a kind of message that I hold very, very close to me because I think it's something that everybody struggles with. And that kind of message, that kind of theme, ideology, is something that I, I kind of like to find in all of my work. Uh, I also, I mean, I live for fight scenes. So if I had to like pick a, a filmmaker to call out, as, as a major inspiration, probably uh, Stephen Chow. I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly. He was the director of, I don't know if it's uh, Shaolin Soccer, which was like this crazy kung fu soccer movie that came out of China, I don't know how many years ago. But it was, it's absolutely bonkers. And it's, it's a wild ride and it's super fun and it's got kung fu. Um, and, and it is totally ridiculous and it knows it's ridiculous and it has a great time with it. And when I saw it when I was a kid, I was like, this is amazing. This is like what movies can do. I totally want to just like the fact that there's a dude running around a soccer field and like summoning tornadoes and with a soccer ball, like blew my mind that, that you could go that extreme and that, and that, that crazy. And it, it could still be just like a great time. He, uh, he also is responsible for Kung Fu Hustle, which is uh, a really, oh, I love really, that one. Oh Yeah. Kung Fu Hustle is is right up my alley. I love that movie. Uh, I love everything about it. That was that was the second film of his that I saw that that, that really just inspired me. Kung Fu and soccer seems like a wild combination. I'll have to add that one to my list. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean it it is absurd uh, and hilarious. If you watch it, watch it subtitled. They did that whole like dub where you know they they were doing like in the in the nineties and I guess early two thousands where. It's like the the bullshit fake Asian dub where they say dumb things over it instead of like being sort of like an honest translation, like with a weird, you know, voice that that is not mildly racist, but just plain racist. So I would avoid that. But the the subtitled version of it is uh, is really funny. Oh, yeah, I can't stand dubbing, even if it is accurate, just because it always feels so weird to me when you can see people's mouths moving, but it's not really lining up with what they're saying. I would rather just put in a little more work and read the subtitles. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I um, As I've gotten older, I found myself turning on the subtitles regardless, especially because I feel like on streaming a lot of times the volume is mismatched from scene to scene sometimes. And so... In order to, you know, avoid just turning the volume up and down constantly, I'll just turn on the subtitles and and hope for the best. 
I do the same thing with subtitles. It sometimes annoys people that I watch movies with, but I'm one of those people, if I miss a line, even if it's not a very important line, I'll be like, no, we got to go back and rewind 10 seconds so I can catch that. And then it's, it's just them saying that's nice or something that's not even important that I'm going to forget five minutes later, but I love subtitles. (laughs) I know I, I am. I, I completely understand that kind of person because I am also that person. The dialogue in film uh, has always been, for me as a writer, has always been a bit of a challenge. And so when I'm watching something, I miss a line. I'm like, oh, no, I want to go back when I want to hear what they had to say. So yes, I definitely get where you're coming from. And I have been known to do that too. Yeah, that's why sometimes it's easier to just watch a movie by myself. I won't subject anybody else to my weird subtitle rewinding <laughs> habits. <laughs> How many films have you seen in a theater by yourself? Oh, a lot. I used to love going to the movies by myself, especially when I first moved to LA. I think Mm. I knew one person here and they weren't particularly a close friend or anything. It was more like an acquaintance. So a lot of what I did was just went to the movies by myself. I was trying to find independent and foreign theaters because I I love watching foreign movies and sometimes they can be hard to find thanks to streaming and Netflix and all of those sites, it's easier to get mm-hmm. good foreign content. But I went to some really interesting indie theaters. And I even found this really cool Korean movie theater in LA that shows Korean movies with subtitles. And oh, cool. I, just, I realized that I love Korean movies. There's just something about the the way that they tell the story. It almost feels like they, they're a little bit less subtle than American films, but not in an in-your-face, on-the-nose kind of way. And I'm the kind of person that will miss a lot of subtlety the first time I watch something. But then I'll be like, I don't want to rewatch it. I just watched it. <laughs> so I, I really no, appreciate cool. how the Korean films, that just it just feels like a lot of the, sub, the subtler messaging is there in a way that I can understand it that I don't always get when I watch uh, American movies. Or maybe I'm just too dumb to get American movies. I don't know. Uh, no, no, I really, this whole being vague um, and, and symbolic and very like almost enigmatic with your work has never really appealed to me. You know, I'm the kind of person who, like, I think the Lego movie is absolute genius. And it's, it's just because it's so simple, but it's so funny and everyone can laugh at it and everyone can enjoy it. And it doesn't try to be super complicated, but it tells you something really earnest. And it tells you honestly. And because a story doesn't need to do more than that. A story doesn't need to like prove to everyone who's watching it that it's something more. Like it, it, if it's something real and honest and genuine and you approach it in a way that's respectful and you, you do it justice, it doesn't need to be needlessly complicated. Oh yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I, I hear about some of the layers of meaning and the complicated things that have gone into a lot of movies. And I'm super impressed. I mean, it's, it's amazing the detail that goes into some of the movies that we see, but at the same time, I mean, yeah, that's exactly right. It doesn't have to be complicated for people to understand it and appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, things don't have to get too convoluted. And, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm definitely someone who like learns about when, went behind on behind the film and, and how it got there in the process and, and, and floored by, by the, 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 the things that people come up. I heard. So the fun fact that I always have is in, did you watch into the spider verse? Oh yeah. The animated one. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I, I love that film. 
Um, I really, that film has changed the way I think about movies in, in a major way. But a thing that I learned about it is that in the beginning of the film, the protagonist is animated at 12 frames per second, while the rest of the movie is at 24 frames per second. And as a result, he feels blocky and like he, his moves are chunky and he doesn't, he, he feels like an adolescent, which is what he is. And uh, through the course of the movie, as he goes through all of different things that he goes through, and finally accepts his role at the end, he is at 24 frames per second. Wow. And I, and I learned that I was like, who thinks of that? Holy shit. So yeah, no, I, I'm a huge fan of like those types of like details and, 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 and the work that people put in and, and, and all the different ways that you can get across the meaning and the message and, and visual storytelling. Um, but I've never been a super big fan of like, being convoluted for convoluted sake, you know? So how do you choose the scripts or projects that you work on? Do you prefer to write your own material or work with a writer? What's your process like? It's a good question. Um, I, I'm still growing uh, as, as a filmmaker and as a creator. And, and I love writing. I love directing. I love, you know, being behind the camera and, and, but I, I know that the film is a, is at its best when it's a collaborative project uh, and everyone is kind of working together. So I do love to write stuff and I do love to be a part of that process, but I also know that there are people, especially in the city of Los Angeles, who uh, have dedicated themselves to that one particular aspect of filmmaking and are really good at it and are a lot of fun to work with. And so I would be doing myself a disservice if I didn't think to go to them first. I have a short that we're shooting in the next couple of weeks. And uh, the executive producer came to me with this idea. He had written it. And instead of saying, okay, this is cool. I'm going to go ahead and, and rewrite it and, and make it, you know, into, into something a little more filmy because he had never done, he had never done filmmaking before. He was kind of like coming into this project. He's like, oh, here's my script. I want to make it. I went and found uh, a friend of mine who is a very talented comedy writer. And I was like, Hey, I've got this project and I know that you would be great for it. It needs to be punched up. It needs to be funnier. And she's the lead writer on that, on that script. Uh, I'm only on the team, but uh, as a consequence, because I went to this friend of mine and I went to Amber and, and I asked for her help on this and, and she joined the team the the product that we make the the story that we tell is going to be so much better so i do i love to write i love to you know envision whatever it is that i want to bring to the screen and and i do think that there are some stories that you can only tell yourself the best way but for the most part especially the stage i am now in my career i uh if someone comes to me with an idea and and i like it and i think it's great i uh and I'm usually pretty easy to convince to hop on board. And I am someone who loves to collaborate and uh, I might be directing, but that doesn't mean I operate the entire vehicle by myself. You know, I am not the engine. I am not the wheels. I'm just holding the wheel, the steering wheel. Um, and, and, you know, kind of a love and appreciate other people coming into the project and adding their own creative energy. That's, that's a big part of filmmaking that I feel like gets overlooked sometimes, but is so pivotal to it. And 
as a result, everything that I do, everything that I make uh, is a product of everyone on set working together, not just, this is my vision, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, I think I definitely didn't realize just how collaborative filmmaking was until I got into it. And I mean, yeah, people think the director's just the boss, but I mean, really they're more, a good director would be more like a, a leader and not just a boss. And the collaboration process is so pivotal to making any good film how do you usually approach working with the rest of the creative team like the cinematographer editor production designers etc well typically if i if i bring them on it, it means that i trust them um that i've seen what they've done before and and i i really liked it and i want them to bring that energy to this project uh and the one way that that won't happen is if i stifle them especially with production designers because like production designers are so damn cool and they have so many awesome ideas and and the way that they just like look at a story and the visual is so different from the way that i initially approach it um and and so i i really love working with them and and, and just seeing the ideas that they come up with and, and and the visual ways to tell to inform a character like just by putting up things in somebody's room um it's so cool and it's so awesome and it's so fun and i love to be on a project where that is promoted you know and you know, even when you get like when you go into post the the film that that we worked on together ta it was a completely different beast when we wrapped production but we went into post and we were like you know what let's just fucking take a sledgehammer to it and let's rethink about this and 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 go about it in a different way and just like you know like, take a big swing um, and, and it, and it paid off, you know, and, and that was, that was a decision that Heather and I made together and, and through a couple editors and we would have never arrived at that conclusion if we weren't open to collaboration. Oh yeah. I remember, I think the first version of the script that I read was in somewhere in between like 15 to 20 pages. And then yep. the final ended up being a lot shorter and a bit more, I would say artsy, experimental, not like experimental, experimental, because it was, it was a clear story. It had dialogue, but just the way it was told was very creative and interesting. I, I would love to hear more about that because it, it did change so much from when, when we first saw the script to working on set to the edit. What was <laughs> that like? Basically just reimagining the whole thing in post. Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, that's, I mean... You are correct. I believe it was like a 16-page script when Heather approached me to co-direct it. Um, and the final product is like seven minutes and 30 seconds. Um, but production, as as you know, was just like a flurry. It was two days. It was, you know, we hit the ground running and we did not stop. And it was crazy. And, and, and I don't know how we got everything that we got. It was an awesome awesome time but it was really really intense and i don't feel like i would have loved to have had an extra day maybe two days to really buckle down and, and get some of those shots right and, and and get into the meat of some of those scenes instead of just like racing through the way that we did but as a result of the story and, and us having all the building blocks and the pieces we were able to kind of take a look at it again and say, okay, what is the overarching emotional journey of our main character in this story, in this original concept? 
uh, of, of Ta and restructure the film based on that. So it's, it's not necessarily like a chronological journey through her. It's more like an emotional journey where kind of she remembers one thing and it triggers her and suddenly her and the audience are back in like this moment. And that informs the way that she's, that she's acting now. It's, it's very flurry. It's very, the way, the way that, that, that a stressed mind works just like all over the place, but you can follow the thread all the way through. Like it, it, it makes sense. We don't take you from like random thing to random thing. And you're like, why did you just show me that? It's like, okay, cool. Yes. I get why we went there. I get why we went there. At least that was the intention. And that's what people have been saying when we've been taking it to screenings, they might just be being really nice, but um, that was the intention. And going from a trying to tell a complete, you know, the, the whole tale with full scenes and getting this, you know, narrative structure, character arc, the whole thing and in a traditional format with what we had, it just, it just didn't work. And it also didn't feel right or true to the character that we were telling a story about, which is what led us to that decision. And Heather kicked so much ass in, in, in production uh, and in post cutting it up and, and, and really going to those uh, raw emotional places uh, and, and structuring the movie in a way that, that, that really hits those notes appropriately. And I, I'm really, I'm really, really proud of it. It's definitely not a film that uh, I would have thought I would have made, but now having made it, I, I see why I made it. And uh, I'm really, really happy that we did. Yeah, I thought it worked really well. I know I was so surprised when I saw the final cut and just remembering how much we'd shot and what the original script was, but it felt like it really did cut down to the meat of the story, the really important moments. And I've definitely seen a lot of short films where they kind of overstay their welcome or they feel overly long for a short film, but it definitely didn't. Like the pacing was so snappy and it felt like it hit all of the key moments the amount of possibilities of things that can go wrong is endless. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's never going to end up looking exactly the way that you imagined it. Uh, unless it does sometimes. And then someone out there has done that, uh, then, then awesome. Cool. Happy for you. That has not happened for me yet, but I, I take that as, as a, as a good thing. I, I enjoy that. I, I love the things that I see in my head and, and I want to bring them to the screen, but, you know, after the whole collaborative process and, and going through the struggles and the challenges and, you know, not getting exactly what you want or, or getting something better than you expected. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you, has anything you've made ever, like you were like, I want it to look like this and then you did it and it looked exactly the way you wanted it to. Uh, rarely. It's happened a few times, but definitely so often. I mean, I think what, what a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of filmmaking is creative problem solving, no matter how much planning or preparation you do at the beginning, because you might have this vision and you're trying to make sure that that happens. But at the end of the day, unless you're Steven Spielberg or Quentin Tarantino or somebody who has unlimited budget, it's pretty much impossible because things are going to go wrong on set. You're going to have 
constraints and then same thing when you get into post. So how, how, what, what would you say you do to deal with that aspect of it? Like for me, sometimes if I'm working on something and it just doesn't quite feel right, sometimes I have to take a step back and just not work on it for a few weeks or a month or however long it takes. Or sometimes I just start from scratch and I'm saying, okay, okay, I'm going to cut out all of this. Like I was working on a script this one time and I was told that some of the dialogue was unnecessary. So when I went back to it, I decided, okay, I'm going to challenge myself and take out all of the dialogue except for the line. And then I wrote it and it actually ended up being so much better. But do you have anything that you do when you're trying to creatively problem solve? That sounds like such an interesting story. Uh, but yes, breaks are great and really, really important to take. Um, especially, you know, you can just like get locked in, especially like when you're in an editing booth or, you know, sound designing. If you're in a session and like you're just grinding it out, you get super stuck on like one thing. And then, you know, if you take a break and you come back, even just like 30 minutes later, it, it is never as bad as it was when like you were six hours in and you're like, this sounds so wrong. I found that, you know, walking away from it just for a little bit, taking a breather going out, having, having something to eat. Um, maybe even, just, you know, coming back the next day, uh, it, it, it really helps, especially, uh, with my writing though. Sometimes I'll come back to my writing and go, Oh, this is terrible. Um, <laughs> and, and just spam the delete button. But yeah, I, I like to, I like to take breaks. I like to, to walk away from it. I like to reassess things. I love to talk to people about the, the issues that I, that I'm dealing with, uh, especially when it comes to filmmaking, you know, I, I'm lucky enough to have a lot of creative people around me. And, and if I run into something, I may call someone up and be like, Hey, so I, I'm in the middle of this script and I've got this issue and and thankfully the people around me are like, okay, great. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's, let's work through this thing. And, and, and an outside perspective is so helpful and uh, it can really just get you past a roadblock that you, that you thought was impossible. So that is also something that I do is I'll, I'll outsource it. Um, especially during, during the, the creative creation process um, pre-production or, or, or post when you're on set and things are tight and, and, and you gotta be quick. I have found that, uh, you know, and, and you don't necessarily have time to take a break. I take suggestions sometimes, but really I kind of just like, I back up, I physically back up from whatever it is. And, and it, it doesn't mean like, Oh, I only want to shoot this in a wide, but for some reason, me taking a step back in the space, like in the scene, away from the actors, away from the action, away from the cameras, just like a couple steps backwards and seeing it all from, from that perspective kind of allows me to take in different angles and take in different approaches and, and, and maybe come at it from a different way. And so, yeah, that, I guess, that's something that I, that I like to do on set. If I ever like come into a, get stuck on something or, and don't know what to do. I like to, to just take a couple steps backward and, and see 
the whole picture for what it is. Usually that helps. That's brilliant. I got to try that because it, it can get so overwhelming on set. You got your face in front of the monitor and you're trying to keep track of all these little details. And sometimes, yeah, just a new, a new angle, a new view of the situation can really reset the way you're thinking about it. Yeah. That's a big part of filmmaking is, is uh, shot structure and, and angles and perspective and, and what you want to show to tell the story. I think that it, it, it's very telling that sometimes you just need to back up and see things from a bigger picture. Yeah. And that's a good solution for if you don't have time to just take a few minutes. Cause yeah, I know how things can get really hectic. Like, so on the subject of how, how everything fits together, I mean, cause it gets pretty crazy and you were talking earlier about how things never go the way you expect them. But I know when I saw the music video that you did for the dark with the songery, I was so impressed by the choreography and blocking and just how well it all flowed together. And it seemed like a lot of work must've gone into conceptualizing it and creating it and making, making it fit that well, because I mean, it, it takes a lot of work to make things actually look the way you imagined them. Could you talk a little bit more about that project and how you go about making sure that your projects not only look good, but flow smoothly from start to finish? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, glad you liked it. Uh, it, it was, it was a lot of fun to work on. Ali, uh, or, or the songery is, uh, just a force to, to work with and, and collaborate with. And, um, when we got onto that video, when we, when we, started that project that was a very uh collaborative process and and talking about how she felt about the song and and what exactly it was that she wanted to to tell and and how you know to, to properly show that and we kind of settled on like this this just you know opening shot opening one that that takes us from her bedroom all the way out into, you know, the world and the street and, and where we see, you know, people struggling with things and, and, and maybe not being in the best place and just, you know, her energy and, and, and the message that she brings with the song kind of, she goes from person to person and, and we, we pull ourselves out of that situation and, and wind up in a crazy song and dance sequence, uh, which is what I, I'm all about that. And, 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 and the kind of the fun. So, uh, yeah, that, that was, it was kind of discussed, decided pretty early on that that would be like our first, that would be how we would open the video. That's how, how we would start things. But we wanted to transition on the break of the song away from, from that single shot ideology and go into you know, another side of the story, that scene where she's in the darkness. Uh, we shot that in a garage where it was sweltering hot um, with the, with the, like the ultimate shitty rig uh, <laughs> that my, my DP put together uh, that somehow worked and, and I'm still impressed. And, but uh, kind of going super, super dark and, 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 her, you know, physically embracing these, these shadowy dark demons and, and welcoming them kind of paralleled with, uh, the, the vibrant, crazy, almost like, like cultish, just white shirt, happiness, uplifting 
imagery of, of the other on the other side, you know, and kind of that juxtaposition and, and, and taking both in both sides felt really, really right and really, really powerful. And, you know, we, Ali and I talked about the, what we wanted to do, what we want to accomplish and, and settled on, on those sort of set pieces and, you know, went out one weekend and, and shot the damn thing. And we had uh, an incredible choreographer. He was really, really incredible. And we, we found some, some talented dancers and just put the whole thing together in an afternoon. And I'm curious about this shitty rig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it was like, a, I, I don't know how to, I think we didn't, we didn't hang it from the ceiling. I don't think, I hope not location that we went like didn't work out and so we were like scrambling to find a place and then i think it was like the someone on the crew had a had a friend with a garage that could be blacked out and we somehow wound up there and um just it was like a a steel pipe and i think like in like an led on one side and then um I think it was like a spot and then, and then essentially the camera rig on the other side. And as you walked with the camera, the other side spun and kind of created that circular imagery that we had. That was how we accomplished it. But it, it sounds a lot cleaner out loud than it, than it actually looked when we were there on the day. To speak to another aspect of the, collaborative process so there's working with the rest of the creative team and then actors I mean I've seen actors with wide range of different approaches techniques and styles how do you approach directing actors and then working with them to develop the performances in a uh, that go along with your vision for the film and what are some of the challenges you've experienced working with actors um that is a good question I have a lot of respect for actors uh, because I see what they do and it is so impressive. And I know that I could never do it, but I really, really appreciate the the time and the effort and the work that they put in and, and uh, the character study and, and how difficult it is to slip into somebody else's skin convincingly. And a big part of the journey for me as a director is uh, done in the prep and and meeting with the actor and 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 talking about the character and you know maybe coming up with like their life outside of the shots and and outside of the script and and you know what what it was that they were doing in the moments between the scenes and and what their life was like before we started watching it and uh, I think that you know, basically you, you, you kind of want to come up with as complete a picture as possible, uh, with the actor. It's very, very important that you do it with the actor, in my opinion, just because, you know, if you, again, that whole thing with collaboration and, and, and what an actor can, can bring to the table, if they're given the freedom to explore the role on their own, uh, is astounding. Uh, and, and I think can, some of the best stuff that I've gotten is, is when I've just kind of let it off the leash and said, yeah, Hey, go for it. Let's, let's see what you come up with. Let's, let's, let's make this crazy character choice. Let's, let's go for it. Let's, 
show me what you've been thinking and, and, and let it, let's go there. I think one of the, one of the things that I really like doing is, uh, and it, it's, it seems so obvious, but I try to get as much, uh, rehearsal time in as possible, uh, before, especially with like kind of complicated shoots. When we, I, I shot a thing a year ago, uh, and it was entirely in virtual reality and Ooh. because it was so complicated and, and there was a lot of moving parts and, and dealing with a camera that isn't like any camera that we had all worked before. I did an entire day beforehand where we went to a, just a park and, you know, held the camera and we, like, we, we shot the movie there without any of the, the, the costume pieces or, or, or set locations. But we just like, we went through the whole motions uh, and, and, and went through it and, and because we needed to see what it would feel like. And I needed the actors to, to understand what it would feel like to hold a VR camera and, and, and perform with it. And, and myself and, and the DP, we also needed to understand what it would look like uh, when they were holding it because it was just like such a guessing game. And so having that amount of rehearsal time, which was, you know, we did a table read even before that and, and got to talk about the characters and, and where they're going and, and what inspired them and, you know, getting some tips from the writer and, and just going to those places and having those conversations in addition to sitting down and, you know, if you have the time, which we thankfully did doing whatever you can to, to get the time that you need with the actors um, and, and getting everybody on the same page. That's, that's super important. I'm super curious about just working in VR. Cause that I haven't touched any VR and that seems so, I don't know, just so different and so complicated. Cause I mean, you're, like you said, you're using a different kind of camera. What was that like? What was it, what was it like just trying to visualize that and turn it into a story? Honestly, one of the dumbest challenges was like figuring out where to hide <laughs> because the, the camera is 360. So like it's, it's you know, you got to get out of frame by like hiding behind a rock or, or, or you know, like a wall. Um, we were out in in the desert. And so, you know, the cover was not very extensive and, and learning, just learning how to deal with like a 360 camera. I, one of the ways that I thought about it was, was kind of like a, like a, like an inverse theater in the round. So like one of the stage, there's like some theater performances or stages where like the audience sits around the stage, like, like in a full circle and those are called theater in the rounds and in my head i was like okay well i think a vr camera is that but reversed where like the stage is entirely around the audience and with that in mind and with that in the actress heads and with that in the way that we took the creative approach and and i guess basically where we decided to, to place the camera that kind of helped inform our decision uh, a lot uh, on on the approach i can't even imagine where you would hide in the desert <laughs> if you're if you got a 360 view yeah it was a, there was a lot thankfully there were like some some pretty thick bushes um and 
we kind of made do with that. And, and, you know, for the most part, like, like when you're watching the film, you, you can't see us, thankfully. But uh, it was just kind of one of those things where it was like, oh, but the action's happening over there. Yeah, but the camera can definitely still see you. And people are going to be looking over there. So hide. Yeah, and that's probably not a film where you want to just be like, fix it in post. Oh, yeah. No, Photoshop no. <laughs> out the director in the background. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, there there are VFX in, in the short and uh that in and of itself was a whole journey of just like putting post in virtual reality and and figuring out you know we um we worked with some really incredible vfx people and and they did all the heavy lifting and and came up with some incredible stuff but just like thinking about it and visualizing it was was a really cool experience but also you know a challenge I can imagine. How do you draw storyboards for a 360 view? You don't. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we, um, honestly, for us, the storyboard was, was that rehearsal day. We went out and we, we shot the movie just in, in, in a different location. I would also love to hear more about your experience as a production assistant because you've worked as a PA on some pretty big shows. And so for anyone listening who might not know, what does a production assistant do and what's it like working on a large-scale productions like that? So uh, there's this really great scene in Supernatural, the, uh, the, the show that had like, what, 16, 17 seasons or whatever. And, and eventually they... they they wind up on a set of a film. They, they get confused for PAs and the, the, one of the two main characters turns to the other and says, what's a PA? And the other one goes, I think it's what they call a slave. And uh, I always thought that that joke was very telling. Um, <laughs> uh, but being a PA is pretty crazy. Um, but it's also really fun. I knew from a young age that I could not work an office job or I would blow my brains out. Uh, I had to do, you know, something new and exciting every day. Uh, and working as a production assistant, you get that experience. Um, every day is different and every day you join this group of usually close to hundred people and you all work on this big old make-believe thing and then you record it and it's incredibly stressful and there's so many moving parts and you're constantly in flux and changing things around and, 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 you know, making, you know, putting out fires and, and, and patching up things and, and, and rescheduling and, and just coordinating with all of these different departments um, and, and trying to keep the boat afloat. But at the end of the day, you're like, yeah, no, uh, I totally watched a guy get blown up today at work and, and we all got paid for it. That's dope. So it's, it's uh, being a PA is grueling and tough and, and rarely as rewarding as, as you know, I would like. But you learn a lot. You get to work with a lot of really incredible people. And I definitely would not trade the experiences that I had on those kinds of shows for anything because I got to see, you know, some really, really uh, incredible minds at work and, and have some just crazy stories from it, you know, 
it's the movies. So, uh, and, and as a PA, like you, you see it, you're a part of it and it's, um, wild. It's, it's wild. Well, now you got to tell us a crazy story or two. Oh gosh. Okay. Let's see. What's a, what's a good crazy story. I'm trying to think of one that's like appropriate and <laughs> and won't get me in trouble um oh my god okay yes okay thank goodness okay this is a good story um so i was on uh a a big show uh and we were in the midst of filming uh, a giant carnival sequence and it was uh, crazy, crazy. It was like the middle of November. We were out in Pomona. It was freezing. Six days, all nights, and um, 450 background, something like wow. that. Wow. Like 450 background. Uh, and, and one of my usual jobs is, is, is uh, I, I'm a background PA, which means everybody who doesn't speak, I am responsible for getting them ready, checking them in, getting them on set. And then I also help placing them in the scene and, and giving them actions and, and, and all of that fun stuff. So uh, being the background PA uh, on a giant carnival scene sequence, I had 450 background. And there are a lot of really interesting people who decide to do background. And there are some really amazing ones. There are some great ones. I've met some awesome, awesome people and, and aspiring actors who did background and they made some really great lasting connections. Uh, but there are also some really weird ones who, who are like just crazy. And like you have to call security and, and you're just uncomfortable. Ooh. And I, one of them, uh, was, I was actually told that I was not a real PA. Oh, uh, by how would they was, know? <laughs> exactly. So it was like, it was like one or 2 AM on like day three of this carnival shoot. And, uh, we're, we're down in holding and this one background actor is just being an absolute jackass to one of my PA friends. And, you know, it had gotten to, you know, almost shouting, but he, and because he was being disagreeable and he, he didn't want to go out and, and he wasn't listening to him. And he said, you can't tell me what to do. I actually work for the casting company and uh, I don't have to listen to you if I don't want to. And so my buddy was just like so fed up and he was like, if I talk to this person one more time, uh, I'm going to punch them. And I'm like, that's totally valid. Uh, I will finish this up. I will get their uh, paperwork and I will, I will sign them out and, and get them out of our hair and we will never have to deal with this individual ever again. <sighs> so I go over there uh, and, and like, this is in front of at least like 100 to 200 other people in the room who are background. And, and you know, like I'd say a solid 95% of them are normal. And we're all exhausted. And I, I go up to this guy and I, I try to be discreet about it. I'm like, hey, I need your voucher. 
which is like the they're basically their paste up uh what 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 it is to use to keep track of the hours and he just goes off on me yelling like who are you i don't even like you're not even a pa i i don't i don't believe you actually work here i don't know who you are you have any proof um i'm like we're in the middle of holding in the set and i've been there the whole time everyone knows who i am i've been talking to the pas i've been talking to the ad's like introduce to myself and like give a whole spiel at the top of the day about who I am and what we're doing here. And thanks so much for coming. And I know this is going to suck, but bear with us. We're going to make some awesome stuff. I do that spiel every morning. So like this dude has seen me, he's been here the whole time. And all of a sudden just starts spouting like a bunch of conspiracy shit about how we're not real. And uh, everything that I'm saying is a lie. And that, uh, I don't actually work there and that I have no proof and that little thing in my ear is actually not connected to anything and I'm not talking to everyone and I'm crazy. Wow. And I'm, I'm just like stunned. <laughs> I, 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 I don't even know what to do at this point, but I'm pissed off. And, and I, I'm looking around and you just like see all of the other background, like looking at us and being like, what the hell is going on? it got to the point where like a couple of the background that I knew, like got up and started like defending me and like went over and like got involved. It was absolutely insane. I wound up, I had to call the casting company that he worked for and that he quote unquote, that, that brought him onto the show and be like, Hey, this dude is uh, not agreeing with us. Can you please tell him that he needs to go home? And then he didn't believe it. And like turning this whole thing, had to call security and ad came down and then like the moment an ad comes down he like flips on a switch and acts like he's he, he hasn't been difficult at all and he's been very very nice and agreeable and you know uh basically is able to convince the powers of be that that he can stay and that really just kind of shook me and everyone else and thankfully we didn't have to deal with him for the rest of the shoot, but I am told that he occasionally pops up on other sets and all the background who were there at that day, remember that moment. And like some of them who are my friends, I guess are, are, are take revenge in some, some manner. Um, uh, but I, I became known as the fake PA for the rest of that shoot. <laughs> wow. I just cannot um, believe the absolute nerve of somebody to, like, if they were yelling at you in a room full of a hundred other people to just act like everything was fine when the AD shows up. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was, I mean, it was everybody so saw you. Yeah. Uh, I, it really like, it brought to mind that whole thing about how everybody's recording everything these days and, and made a lot of, sense so yeah i uh now now when i'm in those kinds of situations i uh i always recommend you know like if it gets out of hand start recording it but yeah no that 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 whole carnival sequence is absolutely insane like people were sneaking off to sleep people were sneaking off to hook up they try to run away like yeah granted it was like a, a late night shoot from like 4 to p.m to 4 a.m every single like 6 a.m every single day 
but like the shenanigans that we had to put up with. I have a photo on my phone of a guy who snuck into, it was like this like warehouse area and had found a bunch of furniture just lying around and crawled between the space, two couches, like one on top of the other. And I only saw him because his legs were sticking out. Wow. Was he taking a nap or what? Yeah, he was, he was passed out. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's pretty weird. It can get, it can get pretty weird on sets, but you know, the, uh, the final product, uh, was really cool. So you put up with it. Wow. I can't even imagine having to wrangle that many people. I mean, I've, I've met one or two people who do background and they're like, pretty humble aspiring actors who are excited to be there. And I don't know, I I feel like background, it's one of those things where, I mean, you kind of, you know what you're getting into, you know, you're not going there thinking that, thinking that you're going to be the star of the show or anything. So I just, I just can't imagine why that guy would have that sort of attitude. Yeah, no, that's what you would think. And like most of them are like that and they're great, but there are some who are not like that. And when you work as a background PA in Los Angeles, you inevitably run into them and, and they make your life difficult. Well, I mean, I can only imagine it must be hard, even in Los Angeles, city full of aspiring actors to find people who are willing to do six days of all nighters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was rough. Um, and, and, you know, kudos to, to all the people who stuck it out. I mean, hey, you got a cool nickname out of it, Fake PA. Oh, yeah, yeah, Fake PA. Uh, it's, uh, it's one I definitely wear with pride. I mean, um, if you could put up with that guy, you can put up with anything, I bet. Yeah, I, 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 I guess that's, that's the definitely one way to put it. And I, yeah, I, I have learned that like being a production assistant, like, especially in charge of background, the one thing that I don't do is yell at people, like at people. I will yell about something. I will yell to inform them all. Uh, but I, I don't yell at people because I've learned that it doesn't get done faster in the grand scheme of things if you piss people off. Oh, yeah, so, for sure. And I mean, yeah, you want to make sure that everybody's everybody's got a good attitude on set. You don't want to. And I mean, especially that's also just especially important as a director, too, because if you're the leader of the team or if you're the one in charge of wrangling a bunch of PAs, then you're kind of the person that people are looking to. And then however you're acting is going to kind of trickle down to everybody else. Like if you're stressed or anxious or in a bad mood. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, it's it, cause it's hard cause filmmaking is really hard and the jobs that, that everybody, you know, goes through and, and the things that we have to do, it's really fun, but it can also be really grueling. And if you make it worse by having, you know, just a, a really condescending or, or, or demeaning attitude and, you know, just put out a lot of, of, of negative energy, <laughs> you know, you can, you can really make onset, the onset experience awful for, for everyone. And then it can, it can actually end up ruining the entire day. So I, I do not do that. Last question. What are you working on now and where can we follow you? Mm, um, I have a short that I'm shooting. It's a comedy short film 
uh, all Asian cast and I'm really, really excited to, to get back to comedy. Um, I love it. It's, it's a very silly film about, uh, a elder 20 something who gets kicked out of his house, uh, and really believes that he can start a business selling alcoholic, savory kombucha, uh, oh. and, and kind of the, the trials and tribulations that he goes through. Um, but it's really fun. It's really silly. It's, it's, you know, it's got a Asian American flair and, and we're going to have a great time with it. I'm also, uh, working on a couple like long-term projects. Uh, I have a couple scripts I'm trying to push and, and, um, a really awesome TV pilot that I don't want to go into too much detail because, uh, I don't want to give it away, but, um, I, I'm, I'm very, very excited for, uh, the potential, uh, of, 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 you know, these, these ideas and these scripts and, and, and the conversations that we're having. So hopefully, you know, even more good news soon. You can follow me on Instagram. I think it's just my name with an underscore in the middle. That's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. I do, I get a lot of odd messages from people who just ask me to reach out to celebrities on their behalf. And it's really uncomfortable. But as long as you don't do that, I am super, super <laughs> down to to meet you and 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 talk. Uh, uh, and yeah, you can you can find me there. Dang! So you can't introduce me to Johnny Depp? <sighs> uh, I can't. I can't. I was actually hoping you could introduce me to him after this. Well, because he's, he's, he's the next guest on this podcast, right? That's exactly. Okay. Cool. Maybe yeah. maybe once I get him to be in my next movie. Oh, good. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll be waiting. <laughs> Great. No, we'll we'll be on set, and I'll be like, "Hey, we got to we got to stop, Johnny. You got to call Jake." <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> we'll shut down the whole scene for an hour so that he can do that. Oh God, I don't even I wouldn't even know what to say. Like, please go back to work. I feel so bad. No. Uh, thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for being here. It's been so great talking to you, hearing more about your work, and I can't wait to see this film about the alcoholic kombucha salesman. Thank you. Yeah. Hopefully I'll be able to get you a link soon when we when we shoot it and we edit and, and it's it's out into the world. Hell yeah. You'll have to come back as a guest later on and tell us how that went. Once yeah, that's yeah, no. Sweeping the festival around. Definitely. I had a blast. Uh and and yeah, I would love to do it again. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Shots with Catherine, Conversations with Creatives. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Shots with Catherine. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help us grow, head to our Red Circle podcast page and donate to the show. Be sure to tune in next week when I'll be joined by professional pole dancer, instructor, and founder of Naughty Goddess Clothing, Pound Cake. Until then, thank you so much again for listening and catch you next week.